Welcome to the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I'm sports editor Greg Keim, and with me is sports reporter Austin Huff. And Austin, I've already been warned we have to keep it enthusiastic today so our <laughs> producer Sheila Selman does not fall asleep on us. So folks, if you hear any snoring in the background, we bored Sheila in, in the, into sleep. But we'll what? try not to do that. Were you talking, Greg? I wasn't. We'll, we'll try not to. I, do I was that. falling asleep there. I'm sorry. Oh, thanks, was, Austin. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm not enthused at all by the energy, Greg. You got to really pump yeah. it up here. But yeah, yeah no, it's good. It's well, good to be back. We actually got some high school football played last weekend, Austin. <laughs> and for the first time in my my memory and in, in my thirty some years here at the news. We have teams starting on different dates. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, different weekends. Like it's yeah. not necessarily weird to like have teams on a Friday and then a Saturday. You know, like that, it's that's definitely different, but definitely not out of the ordinary. But yeah, we <laughs> we had three of our eight teams that we cover uh, play last weekend, and then we get the rest of them starting up this weekend. So right. uh, weird, you know. Only in 2020, right? Only only with coronavirus and. And yeah. uh, Elkhart County, you know, the health mandate, the mandate yeah, shutting everything down. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was definitely interesting. It, it still really didn't hit me that it was, you know, a Friday night football, really, until, like, Friday, like, afternoon, when I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to go home and get dinner now, and then I go to the game, because I, I haven't done that in a while, <laughs> you know? It's usually been, oh, I get to go home, yeah. and I'm done for the day. You know, I had a whole second day you know, stuff basically afterwards. But yeah, we had two games. A um, couple, I would call them interesting results that, you know, kind of surprised me to an extent on both of them. Uh, the game I was at Friday night, West Noble, Central Noble, the Battle of the Bell. Uh, Central Noble knocked off West Noble 27 to 14. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Chargers uh, coming off a fantastic season last year, uh, undefeated regular season, uh, Northeast Corner Conference champs. Um, they all, you know, all that goes with that. Um, you definitely, the, they definitely looked like a young team, though. They obviously were replacing a lot of talent. I was going to say they lost a lot of players to <laughs> right. graduation. And you know, specifically too, like at quarterback, man, when you when you have a new quarterback playing and it's his first real varsity game, you know, he's probably going to struggle a little bit. So uh, Colby Knox hung in there a little bit. You know, he had a nice drive when they scored. It was a nice drive. They ran a couple runs. He made a good pass uh, for the touchdown. Uh, but definitely, you could see the inexperience there, and I, I think it's, I think Monty Mayhorter is going to have to be really patient this yeah. year with that young team. Take a lot of deep breaths, maybe do some meditation every once in a while, just to kind of get through this year because it is a really young, you know, inexperienced team. And kudos to Central Noble, man. They, their quarterback Sawyer Yoder uh, made a couple big plays, had a big 82-yard touchdown run, had a uh, fant- uh, an incredible play on a fourth down and six where he looked like he was going to be sacked, escaped, ran around the other side of the field, found a guy open in the end zone and threw it to him for a score. I mean, it was you were watching it and it was just like, wow, like that guy, that was a great play. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you had to tip your cap. You know, you had to tip your cap to that kid for making a play like that. Um, but yeah, Central Noble hadn't won the bell in 5 years, so it was a it was a big win for them and their first year head coach Hayden Kilgore. Um, but yeah, West Noble definitely definitely a young team this year. They they got the pieces. Like you could, you could see some guys. You know, they're, they're they showed flashes on Friday. Where you know, it's not, it's not like, oh my gosh, this team's not going to win a game this year. But you know, if they if they kind of come along and mature, then they could be one of those teams that's you know peaking at the right time. You know, at the end of the year, and maybe maybe win a playoff game or here or there. You know, so who knows? But, but there's there's definitely a jump 
in the uh, level of competition when you go from JV to, to varsity absolutely. football. Absolutely, absolutely. And in I high, think even at the high school level. Right, absolutely. Um, and I think we saw that kind of with West Oval on, on Friday night. So, And the other game of the week was Wallace E went to Lakeland and, and shut out the Lakers 42 nothing. Now, obviously, Lakeland didn't have their starting quarterback, Colton Isaacs, uh, 90 minutes before the game. He couldn't go. Apparently, he had some stomach issue. Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough for Lakeland. He's their probably their best player, and he plays safety for them, too. So, probably their best player on both offense and defense. So, to lose him is tough, but... Uh, still a pretty strong showing by Wawasee. I mean, I was, you know, last year Lakeland beat Wawasee uh, 28-14. So for Wawasee to come back and beat them, you know, pretty soundly on the road, is a, I thought it was a pretty nice win for them. I know Lakeland, again, not a, not as strong of a team, and when they lose their best player, that doesn't help their cause. But, you know, to see 42-0, it's, it's still 42-0. You know, it wasn't wasn't a cheap win by any means, you know, so. No, but I'm, I'm not sure I'd read too much into it yet at this point. Yeah, it's still early. I mean, and, a lot can happen. Right. I, I think, I think uh, you know, Parker Young put up some good numbers for them at the quarterback position on Friday. And, you know, now Wawasee goes to, Wawasee hosts West Noble this week. So, should be another interesting game there where, you know, can West Noble maybe take another step and put some things together? You know, we talked about it last week how, Coaches always say their biggest jumps and improvement are from week one to week two. So right. maybe West Oval finds a way to knock off Wawasee, but I mean, the Warriors could easily win that game on Friday against the Chargers, I think. So it, I think that's kind of a kind of an interesting game in that sense where, you know, we're still trying to figure out if, if that 42 nothing was legit from Wawasee uh, or, if, or if West Oval, you know, is are they not as good as they were going to be last year? Like what's... What we're, I guess we're going to figure out, I guess, something has to give, I guess, in a, in a, for lack of a better term, uh, on that game on Friday. So, And there, there were a couple other thrillers that, uh, not not our area coverage teams, but some teams in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mishawaka Marion had a come-from-behind win over Mishawaka Friday night, 44-43. <laughs> they scored with 6.3 seconds left in the game to win, mm-hmm. and I believe they snapped an eight-game losing streak. To the cavemen. Yeah. I'm not sure if you saw and the clip of their two-point conversion for the win from Maddox Pagonia, their quarterback, but it looked like he was going to get sacked too, and then he flipped the ball at the last second to his wide receiver in the end zone. It was actually a pretty incredible play. Um, and you could uh, – it was posted up by Redeemer Radio. You could hear Angelo DiCarlo in the background yelling, oh, touchdown, like what a play by Maddox Pagonia and everything. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, really – I mean – Heck of a play, heck of a win. You know, Marion is ranked, I think, number three or four in the 3A polls. I think so, there are two in the poll that, I think they that one just came two. out. Right. So, I mean, they're obviously a very legit team, and, and Mishawaka is obviously a good team, too. You know, traditionally always very good, but that's a that's a heck of a win for Marion. I Over. mean, that's, that's something you don't see often, like yeah. you said, eight, eight in a row. Mishawaka is going into their first year in the conference. Mm-hmm. Coached by a former Jimtown Jimmy quarterback in Keith Kinder. Yeah. Actually yeah. a quarterback on one of their state championship teams back in the 90s. Wow. Yeah. I, I did not know that. So, uh, so that's interesting. But yeah. Uh, and obviously now Mishawaka gets gets uh, another non-conference game this Friday with Elkhart. Elkhart playing their first game because their game against Concord was canceled. canceled. So, yeah, should be interesting. And, and there was another game I think you wanted to hit on from this past week too, right? Uh, Penn, Penn yeah. won. Another another thriller at the end. Valpo kicked a field goal late in the game and beat the Penn Kingsman 17-16. How about that? You don't see field goals often in high school football. You know, it's a 
kicking is a hard thing to do, especially for high yeah. schoolers. But Valpo and that game was moved to Saturday, Saturday afternoon, yeah, because of COVID. Because Penn did not practice Wednesday or Thursday because of COVID right. reasons. So that game was and, moved to Saturday to give Penn an extra day to practice, and uh, they almost pulled out the win. But Valpo is a good team as well, and. They were able to kick a field goal there and end it. Yeah. So Penn was actually up nine to nothing at one point in the game without an offensive point being scored. That's fantastic. <laughs> they they uh, Valpo had gotten called uh, for a safety for holding in the end zone, Ugh. and Penn had a ninety-nine yard kickoff return. Wow, that's incredible. So that's really incredible. Yeah. So well, that's a it's a tough loss for Penn, but you know, like I said, Valpo is a good team. They're traditionally pretty solid programs, so. You know, it's there's no uh, nothing wrong, I guess, with losing to them. You know, so it, there's some good area teams this year, man. There's, there's some good teams in this in the region and over in our area too that are going to be tough to tough outs. You know, in the playoffs. So, right. and one of the more famous football players to ever play for Val, the Valparaiso Vikings. I'm not. I don't know. You're going to tell me though. Jeff Sabarja. Jeff Sabarja. Former yes. pitcher for the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. Yes. Yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me that he was one of the best high school tailbacks they ever saw. And then he played, obviously, wide receiver at Notre, Notre Dame, Dame. Was a legend there, uh, playing baseball and football. Um, I always say he should have played football, but, you know, that's just my choice. He made a lot more money probably playing baseball, and he doesn't have concussion issues. Yeah. <laughs> so. Probably had a longer career than he would have in the mm-hmm. NFL, too. So Yep. So... Well, that kind of sets the stage this week, Greg, for, for week two. Right. Which is week one for some, but week right. two overall in the state. So. And then this is weird. Goshen goes to South Bend Clay Friday night. Goshen will be stepping on the football field for the first time in competition. Clay's already had a scrimmage under their belt and a game last week with Osceola Grace Baptist. Mm-hmm. Which right. they won seven to nothing. Wow, barn burner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, neither neither Clay or Osceola Grace are overly extraordinary I, teams. I don't think so. Uh, Clay hasn't been that great in a while, um, so it's an opportunity for Goshen to get a win. But it I is. mean, again, they're playing, you know, a team that's already played two games, which right. might help their cause. So. And the two schools have not played since a sectional uh, first round game back in October of two thousand. Wow. And it was also at Clay and Goshen won 47-7. Wow. That was a different era, that's for sure. And the coach of the Goshen team at that time was Brad Park, father mm-hmm. of current Goshen coach Kyle Park. Mm-hmm. That was a good season for Goshen. They ended up with a 10-3 and record, actually won a sectional championship. They beat uh, Concord 41-16 to in the, in the sectional championship that year mm-hmm. before losing a 21-14 to game to East Noble in the regionals. All right. Well, I believe so, 99, they went to the state finals, right? So they were right. coming off a state championship appearance and, you know, obviously had a lot of guys back in that team and were able to win a sectional title and ran into East Noble, who uh, who actually, you know, nice transition here. They travel to Northwood Wood. this Friday. It'll be Northwood's first game. Uh, welcome to competition, Panthers. You played the defending 4A runner-ups <laughs> in the state. Uh, who are, who's coming off a 31 nothing victory over Plymouth on Friday. Right, so. and it's the only game we have involving two state-ranked teams mm-hmm. because Northwood is ranked number nine in Class 4A and East Noble is number three. Yeah, and East Noble, so. you know, obviously Plymouth lost a lot from last season, specifically the quarterback Barron for them, um, but 31 nothing over Plymouth, which is a team that won the, you know, was a co-NLC champ last year. That's That's a... 
it's a quality victory for the Knights, and now they get to go on the road yeah. and play Northwood, and you know who knows, who knows, you know, with obviously with the Panthers playing their first game, like they haven't, like Goshen haven't played a scrimmage even either, so. Uh, luckily, they've been able to put pads on and practice for the last week or so, and they'll get more practice this week. Uh, but you know, obviously, nothing nothing can simulate the speed of a live game. Well, so, and, you know. and I've had numerous coaches tell me that there's a big difference between practicing with like uh, the tackling dummies and those kind of things as opposed to live contact and practice. Because right. he said, I the Goshen coach told me specifically. She he said. I know they can hit a stationary target. He said, what I need to know is if they can hit a moving target. <laughs> right, right. It's a little different, you know, when the target is right there for you. So yeah. that the, 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 the tackle dummy doesn't make a juke move. You no, know, he's, he's not putting you know, a spin move on you. So, yeah. De- defensive players are sneaky like that. When you're running up to hit them, they, they have a tendency to move. Yeah, believe it or not. Or so. <laughs> offensive running backs do the same thing. You know, when right. you're going to tackle them, they have a tendency to not want to take that contact and right. try to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the other local teams that's going to have kind of that same disadvantage is Northridge. Um, they're going to St. Joe for their first game, South Bend St. Joseph. Right. Uh, St. Joe lost 21-7 to to Bremen on Friday. Um, or Saturday. That was a Saturday game, too, I believe. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to remember which games were on Friday and Saturday at this point. Yeah. Um, everything got changed. You know, Bremen was supposed to play Laville. St. Joe was supposed to play uh, someone else. That's escaping my mind right now. I, I apologize to the St. Joe listeners. Um, but then St. Joe and Bremen decided to play each other because they were the two ones that didn't have COVID. Right. You know, concerns. So now, now, now Northridge goes to St. Joe. It's an interesting game because Northridge always plays. You know, South Bend Adams and South Bend St. Joe to start the season. Uh, so it should be an interesting game. Northridge, you know, I'm not really sure what to, to think of them this year yet. You know, I mean, obviously we haven't, well, played, a game, we haven't, seen haven't play. played a game yet. <laughs> but you know, usually like you could think about what's coming back from last year. They, they were they were uh, you know a 500 team last year. Like, will they stay that way? Will they maybe take another step? You know, it's hard to tell. Yeah. Um, so and another uh, another and, interesting game on the agenda for Friday night is the Cable Line Cup. Cable line is on cup. the line, and when the Concord Minutemen visit the Jimtown Jimmies. Why, now, why is it called the Cable Line Cup, Greg? Inform I have me. not really gotten a good answer on that. <laughs> I think it's got something to do with State Road uh, 19, but I'm not sure. We used to have like trolleys back in the day, like how there Could are in be. San Francisco. No? Could be. Maybe? I don't know. But yeah, anyway. and, and obviously both teams didn't play week one, so this is a right. pretty even matchup in that sense. This will so. be the 57th meeting between the two schools, with Jimtown holding a 29-27 to 27 advantage. It's pretty even. The Jimmies have won five out of the last six games in the series. Concord's last win was in 2014 when they won 37-7. to seven. Hmm. It's interesting. So, yeah, Concord's a good so, team, obviously. They're ranked uh, in the 5A poll. I think they're the number 10 this week or number nine. I think they dropped there. down into the honorable mention. With I, the, I haven't seen the latest. The poll just came out. Ah. This before court. I came in here, yeah. and I think they had like four votes this week. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's very hard to vote for schools that didn't play week one, you know, so. Uh, that is really something you can't, I don't think you can put a whole lot of faith in is polls this early in the season. Right, because teams are going to miss two, three games. I think, I think is it Pioneer or is one of those schools near India is missing three games to start their season, you know. I think I saw some schools on John Harrell's website that have like five open yeah, dates. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, any team that had a Hammond school scheduled, you yeah. know, they're going to miss at least two, three games, four games, whatever. 
Um, so yeah, it's it is tough, you know, you know, and that's a, that's the good thing I guess in Indiana is like, you know, everyone makes the playoffs, so it, it doesn't really matter like what your record is, I guess. You know, in my state, from Illinois, you know, you got to win six games to qualify for the playoffs, and then they take some five and four teams based on playoff points. It's like a system they set up, you know, wins against total wins of your opponent plus whatever. No, um, no, no. Anyway, everybody makes the playoffs. But yes, that's so. This proves my point that like you don't have and, a system like that in place in Indiana where it's like harder to like like you can miss a game or two. Is my point like. These this Concord and you know it's not like Concord has to go six and two now instead right. of six and three you know to to make it like they're gonna get in as long as you are playing enough games as long as you play like four or five games in the regular season to get you ready for the playoffs like that's all that matters basically and folks that was thunder you heard in the background when Austin the Illinois kid said one of the good things about Indiana football <laughs> is everybody makes the playoffs. <laughs> That was definitely thunder I heard in the background I, I, there. I'm, I'm not I'm, – I, I don't mind everyone making the playoffs. I, honestly, I don't mind that. I, I do mind the blind draw. That's another story for another day. I can't wait to be arguing about the blind draw again in like three weeks when they do the sectionals <laughs> for the soccer. It's well, like, why is this team playing this team in the first round? And then you go with your everyone's going to be everybody eventually argument. And uh, yeah, anyway, I'm not right. getting worked up. Is this lively enough, by the way? I think we woke up Sheila. I think, I, I think I, we woke I her up. I haven't seen her fall out of her chair yet. Though, Greg, so. Greg knows how to instigate the liveliness out we're of me. Doing, talk about, uh, talk about Indiana right. and blind draws and things like that. So... Uh, yeah, this will be, again, another interesting week um, for football. You know, it's really hard to, you know, and we're going to learn some things, obviously. And I feel bad for, like, Northwood who's got to play a really good team, you know, first game of the season with that team already having a game under their belt. You know, uh, Goshen and Clay, it's like a, it's a toss-up game to me. I mean, neither team is overly extraordinary. Uh, no offense to the Red Hawks by any means. Or the or the Colonials by any means either, right. but uh, it should be an interesting contest out there. And uh, Concord Gymtown always a fun game too. So, and this is the first time it's usually been in like week six. Now it's in week two because of the NLC with, changing uh, with Mishawaka and coming into the league and Memorial mm-hmm. dropping out. Yeah, right. So it's it's, normally in week two, it was the first NLC game, Concord and Elkhart Memorial. Right. So this is a, just a different change of pace, and uh, you know, obviously there will be limitations on how many fans could be at the games and face masks and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's different, but, hey, we got football, and, you know, most of these games are streaming online somewhere. You know, a lot of schools have a pay-per-view system set up, so you'll still be able to watch the games online if you can't get to the game. Um, yeah, it's, it is interesting. It's different, but, hey, man, we've got football. Let's cherish it while we got it, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can finish out this season – uh, after week one, I feel, you know, cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic after week one. So, holding my breath. You know, just like yeah. crossing fingers and hoping we get through it. So, all right. Okay. And we've got a big golf match. Big Northern Lakes Conference girls golf match. Tonight. Tonight. At, before the recording of this podcast, we should mention. Northwood at Concord. Uh Northwood has won 57 straight MLC matches going back to 2011, which is incredible to think about. I mean, you know, it's not like there's been bad teams in the conference in the last, you know, eight, nine years. There's been some sectional winning teams. Northridge has won sectionals. Concord has won sectionals. You know, so 
for, for Northwood to not lose a conference match for nine years is incredible. They're, they're playing the Minutemen over at Bent Oak. Uh, I believe Northwood is ranked 12th in the latest polls or 13th, and Concord was 16th or 17th. So two top 20 teams in the state uh, competing. They, they both played this past weekend at the Warsaw Invite over at Stonehenge, which is an interesting course. I've actually never been down there before. It's almost like a link-styled course. And, it is, and it's uh, it looks very cool. I don't know. I it almost wants me to. It, it was almost a cool enough course to want me to play golf again. And I've played twice in the last couple of weeks, and it's not pretty, folks. But there's minimal trees on this one, so I feel somewhat better that I might at least not hit it in the trees. I'll hit it into the street, but I won't hit it in the trees. You know, this is a, you know, so uh, yeah, it's it, it's really interesting to me. You know, Northwood, Northwood has probably the two best players. You know, Sybil Stilson and Bree Goss among the two teams. But Concord has much, you know, their depth is pretty strong. Like, they go, you know, all five of their girls that are playing varsity, you know, can shoot, you know, under 100 or under 95, you know, Mm -hmm. where Northwood has, you know, Goss and Stilson who are going to shoot probably lower than 80 or in a nine-hole duel, you know, less than 36. And, you know, they have two, the three other girls, you know, that are, Kind of like they could play low, or they're gonna they either gonna shoot low, or they're gonna shoot high. It feels like they haven't really had consistency with their other three. So, if if Abigail Richner and uh, Bell Seacrest and um, um, uh, Riley Kitson play, you know, pretty decent golf, like they're gonna you know be a force to reckon with again. Uh, it's just a matter of getting their numbers a little lower for the for the regional or for sectionals and regionals and, and tonight, obviously. So, yeah, this is kind of interesting. It's a um, when you get two good teams like that playing against each other, it's a lot of fun, actually. So, I'm intrigued to see who wins, uh, who loses, and things like that. And so. Austin, they're playing the first match of the NLC season. Yes. Against each other. The two best teams probably in the conference. Right. I know. The scheduling gods. <laughs> the, they, they look down. It's kind of like the blind draw. I know. It's the blind draw. It's just like it all works out, of course. Uh, you know... You look at the scoring averages and look how the tournaments have gone that they've played in. Yeah, like this, for all intents and purposes, will decide the regular season NLC crown. Now, the way the NLC works it is, you know, the regular season is half the championship and then the conference tournament is the other half. So, you know, in theory, Concord could win tonight. Northwood could win the tournament and they're split the conference championship, which Northwood has done a couple times, I believe, in this run where they win the regular season matches, but they loot like they finish second at the conference tournament, yeah. so like Wallasey or whomever. So uh, it, it, it is, you know, feasible, but in terms of regular season matches, Northwood has not lost since they lost to Elkhart Memorial in 2011, which, you know, doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, think about that. So no longer a conference member or a school. Right. So, it's going to be interesting. I said I said that word all the time, but like I, I'm really intrigued tonight. I'm going to be out there and hopefully you know get to see most of the shots that are attempted and made. And uh, you know it's it's fun. It's fun when you have good teams. You know, like in a sport in the area, which could both potentially make it to state. I mean, it's not out of the question. I mean, they played with Homestead on Saturday. Homestead's going to be one of the teams getting out of that regional for sure, but. You know, Northwood, Penn, Concord, Lakeland even to an extent. If they play well, they could get out. You know, there's some teams that are going to be going to that regional outside of Homestead that are, you know, right there. That'll contend for a spot 
for sure to go to state. So that's generally a pretty tough regional down there. Yeah, because you bring in the Fort Wayne schools. And right. Yeah, it's it's definitely not kind. That's for sure. No. Uh, but you know, at least on the surface level, you know those those four teams, those three teams, really Penn, Northwood, Concord, will battle for the for the <laughs> final two spots out of that regional. So. It could be. It's going to be very interesting, you know, to see tonight and then kind of see where these teams go uh, as they get ready for a sectional, which is in, you know, less than four weeks from now, which is crazy. We're already halfway through the girls' golf season. It's insane. It's, it always moves yeah. so fast. It, it always, always goes by fast because yeah. they start so early. Right. I mean, they start practice on Friday and they can start playing matches on Monday. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not like football where you need like ten practices to really get going. So. Yeah, it, right. um, so it should be it should be fun to watch. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. So, and uh, w- one thing on a local note, I have to mention. I neglected. I forgot about this last week. Steve Austin, former Northridge and uh, Concord boys basketball coach, has got a clean bill of health from his doctors, mm-hmm. and he is cancer free now. I want to clap for that. That's so, fantastic. Fantastic yeah. news. That's the bottom line because Stone Cold Steve Austin said so. So had to do it. Had to do it. Had to um, do it. Had to do it. As a, as a fellow person named Austin, I have to drop a Stone Cold reference anytime I can. And so, as as I included in my story, one of his former players, Ronnie Thomas, mm-hmm. who is now a school administrator out in Pennsylvania, sent him that Stone Cold Austin T-shirt that he mm-hmm. was wearing, and he wore it to his chemotherapy. Every visit, and he said that's how the nurses do it when he walked in. He had that Stone Cold Steve Austin T-shirt on. Did, did they play the Stone Cold music when he was walking I through the hallways? Know. The glass shatter, Pro- the guitars. probably shattering glass would make people nervous in the hospital, especially especially in a hospital. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was. Uh, that's great news. You know, obviously fantastic news. Um, you know, from all accounts, a great guy that I've you know I've read stories and read your story and heard people talk about him. He He's is. just a great guy and. Yep. You know, obviously, it's tough when anyone when anyone gets cancer, uh, but for him to beat it and to be cancer free, I mean, that's that's probably the best news you know right. we heard all week. So, yeah. yeah. And then, unfortunately, on the other side of yeah. the spectrum, we had some more tragedy down at West Noble High School. Yeah, it's just sad. Just sad news. Uh, I'm sure uh, people have heard by now. Uh, senior down there, Anthony Reyes, uh, died in a car accident. Uh, he was driving home, I believe, from school, and his, he was driving, and I don't, I don't know what happened, uh, but he lost control of the car and it rammed right into a tree, and uh, he had a person in the car with him too, in the passenger seat, and he, the person, in the passenger passenger seat only suffered like a lacerated hand, which is just crazy to think about. But yeah, man, it's 17 years old, just unbelievable. Like yeah. that, that community, man. Like it's just feels like it's one thing after another you know um you know they had kids a couple kids die in a car accident back in february too which is just like jesus you know it's like it's so recent and obviously tom tom skimmerhorn you know the ad battled covid and you know looked like wasn't sure if it was gonna make it or not there for a couple days in, in early april and it was really scary and luckily he prevailed and he's doing great now um and then this just have this happen right you know and it's not that long ago that their former cross country and track coach, right. uh, Chuck Schlummer, almost almost was killed same, while he was riding his right. bicycle. Almost at the same time. I mean, like last year, I covered the West Noble Central Double game because they were honoring Schlummer, you know. And then mm-hmm. this year, you know, I have to be at West Noble Central Noble again, and there's another 
you know, moment of silence, which is just like, God, it's just awful, you know. Uh, it's just like, like I said, it just seems like they can't can't buy a break right now, man. Just a lot of tragedy and near tragedy too. I mean, even like Colton Kripe, who you know I profiled last year in that car accident. You know, he he almost died. You know, he's lucky to be alive and thriving. You know, off to college now, running in college. Uh, so yeah, just really really sad and and it just. You know, when when we saw the saw that West Noble was canceling sporting events last Thursday, we were like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, don't tell me they have a COVID outbreak. And well, I mean, in that the, was your first thought. I mean, this day and age, that's your first thing when you right. see a, a mass cancellation of right. events at the school. You're thinking, "Okay, somebody had a COVID outbreak." Right. And I and I texted Skimmerhorn. I'm like, "What's going on? Like, is this just because of low numbers for other teams, or is there something going on here?" And then that's when he called me and told me the news, and it was just like, "Wow!" Like it yeah. hits you. In your heart, man, it's just so sad. Um, just so, so sad. And, you know, 17 years old. He was a senior playing on the soccer team. It's like, man, he's about to play his senior year. The West Opal's a good team. They're ranked 12th, 13th in the poll in the 2A. You know, they're, they're a good team. They win sectionals consistently. And, you know, it's just so sad. Um, yeah. So, you know, obviously all of our thoughts and prayers are with the Reyes family, the West Opal community. Uh, just really, really sad news. So, yeah. And, uh, I actually did a story this week. It was in Monday's paper about Tiffany Fisher Coors, former Westview athlete, went to Purdue, All-American volleyball career down there. And it was actually a story that I found a positive, kind of a positive angle to the COVID-19. There haven't been many of those. No, there haven't been. You know, and she was excited because she just became a new mom. Back in January, her little girl, Ramsey James, who is cute as the Dickens if you saw the picture <laughs> in the paper every uh-huh. Monday, or also the picture of her and her mom on the mm-hmm. uh, front page of the paper at the uh-huh. top box. I'm just telling you right now, Ramsey James, that's a country singer. I'm just feeling it right now. She's going to be. She's going to make some albums. I'm Could feeling be. it. I'm feeling it. Anyway. And I, I told <laughs> Tiffany, I said she had a little cutie there, and Tiffany <laughs> said, I think so, but she said, I'm a little biased. <laughs> I said, well, as your as your mother, you're supposed to be biased. You're allowed to be, yeah, right. You're I mean, allowed that, right, yeah. Right, But the thing that Tiffany liked about this whole situation is the baby was born in January, and she was getting ready to go back to Ball State, where she's an assistant volleyball coach and the recruiting coordinator for the program, when the COVID shutdown came. Mm-hmm. So instead of having to go back after a 12-week maternity leave, she got to spend the, every day of the entire first seven months of this little girl's life with her. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, that's really cool. Obviously, you know, that's a, you know, as a, I'm sure the life of a coach, you know, isn't glamorous. You're traveling a lot. And you, you, she was probably, like I said, planning and not having any, any real time, you know, with her daughter after maternity leave. But to be able to get that time is really cool. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's an, it's an awesome, you know, side effect, I guess, of this thing. And now she's probably actually going to be able to get to spend some more time with her because the Mac is one of the schools that have uh, moved all their fall sports potentially to spring. They're still talking about whether they're going to play volleyball this spring or not. Right. But. Right. Obviously, who knows, you know, and, you know, I was reading your story too about that and she just said something about like, you know, I, if we play in the spring, I want it to be a Mac only schedule, but how does that even work right now? Because we can't really travel to Buffalo, you know, yeah. and because of the state of New York's and rules. Buffalo can't come here. Right, unless so. we quarantine for 14 days. And, you know, I don't think the Buffalo team wants to, you know, quarantine in Muncie for 14 days. No offense. I don't think the Buffalo Athletic Department has the money to pay for their volleyball team to stay there for 14 days or vice versa, Ball State going yeah. to Buffalo, you know. So, right. 
yeah, it, it it it's interesting, you know, obviously for the Mac and all these fa- all these conferences, excuse me, uh, canceling their fall sports, postponing their fall sports, and what they'll do and whatnot. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. <laughs> Tiffany basically said that if they go to a spring season, it's going to be like a flip flop mm-hmm. of what they're normally doing. Right now, they're doing some recruiting. And, you know, working on the season, the schedule, she said if they go to the spring, they're going to be having to do play then. And she said the springtime is really one of their big recruiting periods because that's when a lot of club volleyball right. happens. And that's normally when they right. do a lot of their recruiting. Right. And they're not in season in the spring, so that helps them out too where they can travel yeah. more, you know. They don't have to worry about playing a game on Wednesday, you know. Well, she said now. Now she said they might have to play more midweek games mm-hmm. if they go to a spring schedule. Well, probably. She I mean, said depending, you know, how things work out. Right. There's so. obviously it's a very fluid situation, obviously with with COVID and everything, and yeah, you know, conferences still trying to. I mean, some conferences are still playing. You know, like football this fall. You know, you're the ACC, the SEC, Big Twelve. You know, they're all still gearing up to play. I mean, haven't heard anything otherwise. No. <laughs> so. No. Notre Dame is set to host Duke in, you know, 18 days. So, you know, who knows yeah. if they're actually going to play it or not. But, you know, it's that's the schedule as of now. Yeah. So, And uh, while she was at Westview, Tiffany was an all-state athlete in volleyball, basketball, and track. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> she went on to play four years of volleyball for the Purdue Boilermakers. Their senior year, they finished with a 29 and five record, including 16 and four in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. and they advanced to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament before they lost to Florida State. What year was that? That would have been 2011, I believe. Okay, okay, that's cool. She ended up her career at Peru with 902 kills, 64 aces, 31 solo blocks, and 322 assisted blocks. It's a pretty good career. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at right there. No. You know? It's a pretty remarkable career, and uh, obviously she's parlayed it into a coaching gig uh, at Ball State, you know, and that's pretty yeah. cool. I mean, like, if you've... It's pretty awesome when you kind of see those like success stories in sports, you know, where... Yeah. You know, she actually started out her coaching career as a student assistant at Purdue, and then she went to Coastal Carolina for two or three years. That's pretty cool. Before... She came back to Ball State. The Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Chanticleers, I yes. I love that name. Yeah. So I believe that's where Bailey Hartsoe is going for volleyball. Uh, for I Lakeland. It She's is. going to Coastal Carolina. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So uh, it's a great nickname, Chanticleers. I just love saying that, you know? <laughs> it's an awesome one, you know? So yeah, that's so, awesome. Okay. Yeah, um, and uh, one last thing I think we want to hit on, right? Uh, Indy 500 was this past weekend. Oh yeah, a little the greatest spectacle of racing. Spectacle How can racing. we forget about that? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, I was watching it on Sunday. Had the Cubs game on the television. Had the Indy 500 on the iPad. You know, so wasn't following the race as much, but I was catching bits and pieces. Um, Alex Rossi had an incredible day <laughs> until he got a penalty, and then that really. Uh, derailed it and I, I saw him I saw him express some some fingers or a finger to a driver on the race track. That was awesome. Um he was telling him he's number one. Yes, number one and number one <laughs> on the track, number one in the heart. Um there you go. And Takamua Taka Taka Takamua Sato. I don't I sorry for the pronunciation of Sato that I know Sato right. I got, yeah. He ended up winning the race under caution, which is kind of a 
eh, ending. Because the race was actually pretty entertaining that first half of it or so. The first yeah. hundred laps, it was pretty entertaining. Rossi even, you know, the making some enter- had some entertainment there at the end. Um, but yeah, it was you know it was kind of a bummer to end it under caution. But you know, it, it felt like the most 2020 way to end the race, right? Like. It's yeah. just like, of course, it's going to end under caution with no fans. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it only would have been better if the if uh, Andretti had won it. You know, Andretti had won it under caution with no fans, right? Like, <laughs> there would have been so many provisions there to break the Andretti curse, you yeah. know? Um, but I don't even know where he finished. I know he kind of started falling back a little bit earlier. Uh, I don't know. I, I think, think he was top 10 still, but... Yeah, but I'm, I don't remember where he finished. So, so. The, the Andretti family curse continues yeah. at, at Indianapolis. I, I didn't get to watch the race Sunday because I was here in the office putting out Monday's paper. There you go. But working, I did watch. Man. I did watch some of it on the replay on either Sunday night and again on Monday, and it was really weird watching those cars go around that track with no fans in the stands. Yeah, yeah, it is really odd. Um, in a weird way, though, I've kind of like normalized it in my brain. Like, I've watched, you know, like, when they show old highlights now, like, watching this on a Cubs game a couple of days ago, where they were showing some old highlights of, like, Anthony Rizzo making those barricade catches, you know, when he was, do, like, jumping on the tarp and things like that a couple yeah. years ago. And I, like, they showed that, and I was like, wow, there used to be, like, a lot of people there. Like, now I'm watching it, and there's no one there. It's just, like, I've almost, like, normalized no fans to where when fans come back, it's going to be weird, like, packed houses like that. It's going to be, like... Huh? We're like, like it's, you've gotten so used to not being able to do that almost. You know, it's weird. Um, but so like watching the race on Sunday, like it actually wasn't too odd. Like I like I said, I've almost kind of normalized it in a weird way. Like it's like, oh yeah, that's that's what we do now. <laughs> no fans. That's that's so, what we do. Yes, yeah, unfortunately. Guess, we do guess we're doing that now. No fans. So, so yeah, but yeah, uh, it was Sato's uh, second Indy 500 win. Uh, I believe you won in 2017 as well. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, it's always a fun to watch. I mean, that's I'm not a big racing guy, uh, but the Indy 500 is always one I, I check two. out. So. I'm not a big racing guy either, but two races I always try to watch every year are the Daytona 500 and the Indy yeah, 500. Those are the two, and and uh, maybe I'll sneak in Talladega, you know, every once in a while. But Daytona 500, Indy 500 for sure are the two ones you gotta check out. As a, as a sports fan, like a general sports fan, those are the two. The right. big ones that you, you know, I would love to go to one, either one of them one day, you know, so. I've never been down for the race. I've been down for the time trials. Mm-hmm. And you get a whole different perspective there <laughs> as to how fast those cars are going. Blink literally and you'll miss it. And so. you'll miss it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is right. So, yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's good to have sports back, I guess. You know, a lot of sports back. Um, Elkhart County is back. Um the 8500 race this weekend. We got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Nice. MLB is halfway through its season, believe it or not. Um, well, some teams are. Yeah. Some, teams, some teams like the St. Louis Cardinals are maybe a third of the way through their the season. Calendar, the calendar says we're halfway through. Not yeah. every team is halfway through, but the calendar says we have reached the halfway point. Right. Uh, the season started July 23rd. It's August 24th, so we're at the halfway point of that calendar. Um, yeah, September... October, man, it's shaping up to be really fun months there with everything kind of converging at the same time. So. Well, you know, yeah, that's kind of like I, I did a column the other day for the paper about the Indy 500. And my lead was the fact that the calendar says it's August, 
But the sporting events that are coming up make it seem like it's spring. Right. It feels like Because you got the Kentucky Derby coming up. You got the, he had the Indian 500 at that point coming up. Mm-hmm. Those are spring events. They're not supposed to be held in September. Right. <laughs> you know. For the Kentucky Derby, first Saturday in May, you know, the Indy 500, the Sunday before Memorial Day, you know, it's always those. And, Ma- and the Masters is going to be right. what, in December this year? Yeah, November, December, something like that. I know they can do that because it's Georgia and it's a little warmer in Georgia than in, in November than it is here. You know, if they played the Masters, Just a little bit. If they played the Masters in South Bend, we wouldn't be able to play it, play it this year. Well, so we wouldn't be playing it in November at least. You wouldn't be able to use a white golf ball, probably. You might no, have to use a colored golf ball, right? You know, those neon green ones, you know. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 in a weird way, like you know the COVID pandemic has been terrible, obviously, and we wish it was a normal year. But if we're going to make it abnormal, let's make it really abnormal and just do everything at once. I mean, I'm, I'm in. So I'm a fan of that. It's, it's definitely becoming an abnormal year. That is for sure. <laughs> becoming? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm good. Okay. And uh, my last thing of the day is my baseball fact that I found today. Write this down, Sheila. On August, 20, August 25th, 2011, mm. the New York Yankees became the first Major League Baseball team to hit Three grand slams in one game. Really? Really. Robinson wow. Cano, Russell Martin, and Curtis Granderson all belted grand slams in a 22-9 win over the Oakland A's. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. That's insane. And that's coming off the heels of this past week where the San Diego Padres became the first franchise to hit a grand slam in four straight games. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. They did it at all four games they played against the Rangers. So if I was a Texas Rangers pitcher, I would probably just retire. Just be done. I'm out. You know, no more. I don't need to do this anymore. You know. <laughs> so Slam Diego is what they're calling themselves, actually. Slam Diego. Which is pretty yes. cool. I think it's pretty well, cool. Well, the, the Cubs, the White Sox kind of slammed the, uh, the Cubs pitching last weekend with all the home runs they hit. Don't remind me. It's bad memories. We're, we're, on, we're on to Detroit. They won 9-3 against Detroit. That's all that matters. <laughs> so. Right. Okay, folks, that will wrap up another edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast, and tune in next week for another version. <laughs>